Live from our nation's capital, this is the Five Point Play Podcast, the diehard Duke basketball fans podcast. And believe it or not, Duke has already mm-hmm. had a game. We finally Whew. have played a game. We got canceled all Wednesday with Gardner Webb with some sort of bogus COVID-19 test on one of their players or staff or something. We don't even know what it is. Hopefully they pay us back because Duke paid for all of Gardner Webb's uh, COVID tests. So hopefully they pay us back. <laughs> I mean, I just wanted to throw that in there, AC. But hey, hey, look. <laughs> Look, we uh, you somebody's salty. <laughs> <laughs> I am salty, AC. I'm salty. Two, AC, two hundred and sixty-six days be- between the last time that Duke took the floor. Yep, against North Carolina at home in a win and a sweep of North Carolina. Now we are yep. finally back. We played Coppin State this past Saturday. We're gonna get right into it, AC. It is a recap of the Coppin State game. Mm-hmm. It was, look, I saw you tweeting a storm during the game. So if you, I'm just going to say this real quick. If you want to know where we stand as a podcast, <laughs> just follow the Five Point Play podcast That's on right, Twitter. Man. Because you are going point by point by point, play by play, stats out the wazoo. You have stats that, quite frankly, I'm going to give you credit here, that I didn't even know about. So, Definitely follow us during the game if you want a, a, kind, of, a kind of like a live uh, reaction to how mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. are feeling as a podcast. Um, follow AC. Just remember that um, these are not my TKs. <laughs> they're not my feelings, but they're uh, AC's. Okay, AC, yeah. um, give me a recap of, of the game against Coppin State. And by, oh, 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 before, oh, on. before I get there, Juan Dixon, I have no idea he was the coach. Yeah, dude, that was um. I I remember he was coaching the D one squad. I forgot that it was Coppin State. Honestly, I thought it was like UMBC, not even UMBC. But I thought it was I thought it was another Maryland school. I remember he was coaching somebody. I forgot that it was Coppin State. So it's cool to see him back in Cameron. That was that was pretty cool. Yeah, he looked he looked like a like a rec basketball coach out there standing up screaming the whole time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's just it's it's so funny. Like, there's just there is a certain demeanor that veteran coaches have versus the younger coaches, and like this the the total the the total difference between like Kay, obviously he got up occasionally and had to bark out some orders, but he was typically sitting down on the bench, you know, letting the game happen. Juan is basically playing the game with his players. He's sweating out there and everything else, dude. Like that's just, it's just so funny to see the dichotomy between a young coach and an older coach. Well, you know, he did play for Gary Williams. So the sweating part, <laughs> he's got what, it down, man. <laughs> and that father, left son. Exactly, dude. If the crazies were in the building, it would be sweat one sweat, man. It had it would have had to have been. But uh no, it was, it was you know what? It was basketball. That's what it was. That's 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 how I'll put it because it was sloppy as hell. Um it was it was good to see the team back on the floor 266 days. There's a stat 267 days was actually the record from the last from when Duke played a game to when they played another game. That was the record that was in 1982 to uh, 1981-82. Uh, in that time frame, so 266 was almost at the record, so we we just got under it. That game was in jeopardy as well because Coppin State had a staffer that was uh, that had tested positive. So we, you know, it was it was like, damn, is this game even gonna get played? But it got played. The team was on the floor. There was some good. There was some bad. But you know, honestly, it was it looked like an exhibition game. It looked like one of the games we would have played against like yeah. Barton College, but it was against a D1 school. So 
a lot of our mistakes were more glaring than they would have been if we beat up on a D2 team 120 to, you know, 62. So it, it was a match that was tough. Coppin State is one of those teams that offers something that is going to be a problem for Coach K for until he retires playing overplay defense, which is a small ball team that has five dudes on the floor that can take it to the rack, which they all they did. And, and they, they did that with success. And that guy, uh, I think it was Anthony Sark. That dude was a beast, man. He played, he played his tail off. I enjoyed watching him play. And um, uh, I think Clayton was the other guy, the point guard. He got to the line 10 times, 10 for 10 from the line. He played, he played his ass off. So, I mean, I was, it was fun to watch that game from that standpoint because it was college basketball and it was back, but you definitely don't like to see, our squad played the way we played for the most part. So I wanted to ask you a question because, you know, this is our first game. We haven't had any exhibitions. Um, you know, obviously there's, it's going to be disjointed the entire time. You know, Baker was out for a while, um, you know, you know, for a couple practices and then you had Hurd out for a little bit and Coleman out for a little bit. You know, it's going to be disjointed. That's just kind of, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's how this year is going to go. What kind of factor did that play? And then what kind of factor did it play that we had no fans in the stands? You know, they talk about manufacturing your own energy. Right. Did you feel like Duke's energy was there? And, you know, did that at all play a factor into the performance that we had? Especially, you know, kind of how we came out of both halves. You know, starting the game and then the start of the second half, um, you know, I thought we just kind of came out a little bit flat. Yeah, I think... So I thought we had energy, right? I, that was one of the thing. One of the things I tweeted out before the game actually was, you know, some of the keys to the game that 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 Duke needed, and and I really pinpointed three things. I said energy, communication, and attackers, right? All season long, that's going to be consistent, in my opinion, on how well this team can play. Is can they bring their own energy? We we talked about last. We talked about it before. Byoe, bring your own energy, right? We yep. talked about that. We talked about communication. Coach K in the summer has already talked about how this is one of the best communicating one and done teams he's had in the one and done era. And, you know, you, you think that they would be because you have gold Jordan Goldwire, you have Joey Baker who can't stop talking. You got Wendell Moore, Jalen Johnson supposedly is a great talker on the floor. Uh, Henry Coleman, you know, if he gets on the floor, he's a great talker. So it's like, you have all these guys who can, who can talk the game out on the floor, which is a big key and how coach K likes to coach and how his, his offenses and defenses are set up. So that was one thing I wanted to see, especially you'll be able to hear it this year because there's no fans in the building. And and then the other thing was attackers. Do we have guys who can set up their own offense as opposed to having the offense set up for them? Because that's going to be a key when we get into some of these games with top-notch competition where you're going down the stretch basket for basket. Do you have guys like we had with RJ and Zion who can go get their own buckets? This team that was one of the things I wanted to see. So let's talk about the energy part. Cause you just brought it up. Right. I thought we had energy. It was just nervous energy. Like yeah. the guys, they, it almost looked like we were playing in quicksand and not be, and it wasn't a conditioning issue. It was like guys were nervous about making a move. Guys weren't cutting on offense. You had the defense, like early on, especially we weren't moving our feet well on defense. Quite honestly, Matt Hurt was one of the better players playing perimeter defense in the first half. If that means something, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but that was one of the things that I that it looked like. It just looked like we had a lot of nervous energy, and then there were points where we looked very fluid, and the team looked almost conjoined together, and 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 we looked really good, and we would go on little mini runs, and then all of a sudden it would be right back to that nervous energy again. So there's got to be some form of there's got to be a stabilizer. We need a stabilizer. We need somebody who is going to 
who can make a good basketball play and still be that guy on the floor kind of keeping people hyped up. Because we have, like, you know, Jamin Brakefield, he's a hype man. You know, Jordan Goldwire is always going to jump when somebody else dunks. You know, we got those guys will do those types of things. But, you know, Jalen Johnson was trying to take all that mantle at times, but, you know, my man had seven turnovers. So, like, it was like, you know, it was it was just hard. It was hard to keep a flow going when you were playing like that. And again, like I said, we were playing like we normally play when we play those that D one those D two and D three teams in the beginning of the season. It's just it was against D one competition, so the the mistakes were so much more glaring than they usually are. So this is that's a good point because Coppin State was a very senior led team. They had a couple of grad transfers, JUCO mm-hmm. transfers, so they were a much older team than we are. So that 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 makes sense, especially your mm-hmm. first game. The lights are finally on. You finally realize, okay, this is for real. This actually counts. It's not an inner line scrimmage anymore. So yep. those things come into place. So let me throw a couple of stats at you, AC. Mm-hmm. So Coppin State took six more field goal attempts than we did. Yep. They took 21 free throw attempts to our 10. Mm-hmm. We out-rebounded them. But at the end of the day, we ended up winning this game by 10 points. And it wasn't because of anything other than we, I think we're just more talented. So yep. I think that this is a big learning takeaway for, for Duke. Yep. You know, we're going to get, we're going to get into the individuals um, in our later segments, but I, I do want to talk about as a team. Um, I definitely agree with you in terms of the nervous energy. I think that, that was very apparent, understandable as well. Mm-hmm. Do you think that this is going to be something that can be looked at? I mean, believe me, and you know how much Kay loves the, his film sessions. Right. There's going to be a lot of takeaways from the film sessions. Oh, yeah. No doubt. For every single player that played and even the guys that didn't because you're going to look at the entire game. You know, if you look at, you know, Copper State and how the roster is constructed, this was not going to be a game for guys like Henry Coleman, Mark Williams, uh, Patrick Tape didn't even get into the game. You know, Brayfield only played four minutes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it wasn't going to be a game for them. And, and that part I understand. You know, right. if you look back uh, even last year, you know, Vernon Carey, um, a game that sticks out to me was at Virginia Tech where he didn't yep. play a whole lot because the matchup just wasn't there. And that was Vernon Carey. He's a guy that, um, you know, you could have argued was, you know, a first-round guy. We mm-hmm. don't have any of those guys this year in our front court. So, um, this was understandable, and I get that part of it. And I, I, I you know, I read the message boards much like you do, and you definitely see a lot of Duke fans saying that, you know, our front court is not that talented. Look, the, the, the reality is that no, we are not as talented as the Marvin Bagley, Wendell Carters, uh, the Vernon Carries, but at, at the same time, you know, Marvin Bagley and Wendell Carter were two guaranteed top 10, top five picks before they even stepped on campus. Uh, uh, Vernon Carey, for a long time, was the number one ranked player in his class. Um, So, and and, and he was ACC Player of the Year type deal. Like, like I know Trey Jones got him, but he could have easily been the ACC Player of the Year. He got All-American accolades, top big man, top freshman, that kind of stuff. So, we don't have that kind of front court. So let's exactly. be real about that. And and so we are going to play the matchups. We are going to play. So mm-hmm. let's not take too much from that. But right. I do want to ask you, um, did you come away from this game encouraged, discouraged, neutral, based on what your expectations were coming in? 
Yeah, I think it was neutral for me. I think I was. I felt I, it was a neutral, neutral plane for me because again, first game of the season. If we if we beat them by thirty points, I would have felt neutral about it because we're supposed to beat a team like Hoppin State by thirty points, and so we beat them by ten. You you pointed out a very interesting stat, and it's something I want to watch all season with this team because it's field goal attempts. Like you said, they had took six more field goal attempts than us, partially because we had twenty two turnovers, they only had eight. That's another thing that stands out to me. The the field goal attempts plus the turnovers that we create. Like those are two very important stats. Like on top on top of off top of the rebounding thing, like right? Like so offensive rebounding is a really important, a like, really key stat because you continue to to create possessions that way. So anytime our team can create possessions is a good thing because of the shooters we have and because of the scorers that we have on the scene, because we do have shooters and scorers. So we need to be that team. That is, we need to be taking more shots than our opponents all season long, especially in big games like Michigan State's coming up. We need to be able to take more shots than they get because that's what's going to help put us over the top because of the scoring talent that we have on the squad. But we are not, the one thing that discouraged me a little bit was the amount of turnovers that we couldn't generate. We did not generate turnovers this game. They're, the turnovers that they they gave us, they were, they were giving us turnovers, literally. Like, they dribble off their foot, something else. Like, the turnovers they had were not caused by us. It wasn't like it, – it wasn't somebody jumping out in the pass lane or anything. Jalen Johnson and Jordan Goldwire seemed like the only two people on the floor who could who could create any kind of turnover opportunity for our squad. So that's something to watch going forward. I, I want to see how that how, – how our team does in that regard because that's, that's not typical of how Duke plays. And if we're going to play overplay – and we're not going to generate turnovers, that's not a great combo, man. It's, it's not a great combo, and, and the returners know that. And, we, you know, we got those, these returning guys, Wendell Moore, Jordan Goldwire, these guys who are, you know, they've been through K's defense. They know how to play this, and, and they're the ones that we need to step up on that end. I don't need them to be the top scorers on the team all the time, but they definitely need to be our leaders on defense. So it, it, the, the returners, it's, it's really important for them to, to do their thing when it comes to, to this, you know what I mean? Cause I, we need to, we need to be taking more shots than other teams, especially the way we move the ball because we played super unselfish basketball. And that, that's kind of what led to a lot of those turnovers. So we need, we need some guys to be a little more selfish. That's that attackers portion I was talking about. And we need our returning guys to be a little more, you know, dogged on defense. So you set me up here for my second topic of the uh, evening. See, assist, man. It's like this yeah. team, man. Move the ball uh, around. We, we, we want to move the ball around, and this is it. So our second topic is the returning guys. Mm-hmm. It is literally Matthew Hurt. He was the only guy that I said, you know what? He was slightly mediocre. Uh, and everybody else, even despite, You think so? Yeah, even despite uh, Wendell Moore, stat line of 6 for 11, 13 points, uh, 4 rebounds. You know, I didn't think that Wendell Moore played very well. He made a few plays late, and I think that that made his stat line look better uh, than it actually was. Um, I thought Jordan was, you know, I'm not, I'm not actually saying Jordan, but one thing that we didn't talk about uh, in our last podcast, we, none of us expected the starting lineup that actually came out there. Jordan right. Goldwire, Wendell Moore, Matthew Hurt, Joey Baker, yep, which I'm going to highlight here, and then obviously Jalen Johnson. I, 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 I'm a broken record here saying that I don't want Joey Baker starting. I don't think that's a good role for him. Yep. Uh, I think that he came out and proved that. Uh, I think it was um, – I understand what Kay was probably trying to do there with uh, getting a bunch of veterans out there yep. uh, to start the, start the season. But, you know, Joey Baker, you know, missed you know a bunch of days uh, the last week or so. Um, 
you know, with uh, injury and uh, COVID mm-hmm. protocol. So, you know, that's that's one thing that I, I didn't care for. And I don't like Joey. I don't like Joey's personality as a starter. I think his personality changes as a starter. I think that he showed that last year. Yep. So let's talk about the return guys here. Um, uh, personally, if, if, you know, if, if that's what we are going to get from our return guys, and I don't think it is. I think this is one game you can't go too far one way or the other on this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but if that's, the, if that's the effort we're going to get from our return guys, we're going to be in trouble. Um, but I, I don't think it will be. Uh, so I want to ask you, uh, evaluate those four guys, those four return guys. Okay. And I want you to start with Joey Baker because, yep. again, you know, he had a couple, you know, really good looks that, you know, just didn't go down. Uh, you know, there were a couple that were a little long. And I, I, I personally, as a shooter, I, I look at that as a little bit of nerve. They were spot on. They were just long. Um, he had one in the second half that, uh, excuse me, in the first half that was right at the top of the key. It was on a mini run that Duke was making. Uh, DJ yep. Stewart gave him a perfect pass in transition right at the top of the key. It was spot on. It was just long. And I can live with that. I can live with that. And yeah. I can live with Joey Baker taking that shot all day, every day. Um, we talk about, you know, how, you know, Joey Baker is a uh, practice warrior, you know. But <laughs> he's not He's not Alex Murphy, though. We talked about that right. last week. Yeah. He's, a, he's a guy that we've seen in big spots make big plays and big shots. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not actually worried about him, but I do nope. not want him starting, and I think that, that I want to start there. Yeah, I think I think his energy is better off the bench, and I think I think that he is better. If if I'll say it this way, if Jordan Goldwire is going to start, then Joey can't start. There's certain yeah. players that Jordan can't play with, and I'll, I'll get to that when I talk about Jordan in a minute. There's certain players on the floor. I don't want to see him playing with unless unless they figure out a way to make it work in practice or somebody else is able to step up and just take over on offense because there's certain lineups we have that are just they're just bad on offense. So like let's not even try to to mince around it. There's just certain lineups that we have are just really bad on offense. So I don't there's certain things I just don't want to see. And and one of those things is, you know, Jordan, Joey, and Mark Williams on the floor together. Like this is not gonna work, right? So but Joey, like you said, he's fine. I'm not worried. He didn't do anything to me other than the one little blow by layup he gave up in the first half. He didn't do anything that I felt like it was just bad. It's just jo- Joey got 15 minutes. Joey's not going to play a lot if he's not hitting shots. He was one for four. Yeah, and, three. And, we, so, and, we, and we said that. We said that. Yeah. And not only that, but, you know, Joey did have a couple turnovers that were mm-hmm. just really sloppy. Um, yeah, who didn't know? That, you know what I mean? It's like, well, who, well, who well, didn't well, know? That's not what pulled him out. It's just, not, it's I'm literally. Not, Yep. Yeah, I'm not trying to pinpoint it's, that on him. Like, Dolvar, yeah, yeah. Roach had a bunch. But my, my thing with him is exactly what you just said. It's, you know, if he's not hitting shots, he's not going to be in the lineup. And exactly. quite frankly, I don't think that he should be. Right. And yeah, I, yeah. And, and that's, I, I that's how it works. Coach. I don't think that's No, harsh. it's not. It, it's the same thing. It's like, it's it's the same reason the bigs didn't play this game. When exactly. they don't match up well against somebody, then they can't play. That's Like, this team is totally matchup dependent. There's not going to be a consistent... There's going to be a consistent probably one through six or seven with this squad. There's not going to be a consistent eight through 11. It's not. It's just not going to be consistent. Yeah. Some gay, some games, Mark Williams is going to show that he needs to be on the floor because he's swatting shots left and right. Some game, There's probably going to be a game or two where Patrick Tape comes in and is just rebounding like an animal and is the reason why we come back in a game. So you're going to see him get some minutes out of it. You're going to see some games where Jamin Brakefield is going to get a couple minutes extra because of what he can do on the floor and just the energy he brings. So it's like all over the, like that eight through 11 is not going to be consistent for us. We got a consistent seven guys 
eight through eleven is not going to be consistent. And Joey's in that realm because of his shooting and his shooting ability. Like if he is hitting, he is a tremendous, tremendous asset. And it's not like he just forgot how to shoot. Like I'm not. It's not. It's not the yips. It's not like Joey will start hitting shots again pretty soon. Matter of fact. I have a feeling against Michigan State, we're going to see a big Joey Baker game because Michigan State has never defended the three well. So that's one of the things that I'm going to be looking for on Tuesday night. But I, I think Joey's good there, man. I, I don't I don't think that's an issue. I think Jordan is – he's Jordan. Like we said that before, right? We said Jordan Goldwire is Jordan Goldwire. And I think people saw some highlights and saw some stats from scrimmages and stuff, and they're like, oh, man – Maybe Jordan Goldwire can work himself into this like senior all ACC type of player, and he can't. Like he will yep. all ACC in terms of defense because he is still a ridiculous defender on the perimeter. But that's and 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 he he's not even proven as like a setup man yet. He had a nice nice couple passes, and then he would he would counteract those passes with some bonehead turnover. So it's it that's that's kind of what we're gonna see out of him at least to start the season. I I, I think as the season wears on the turnovers you'll see will go down from Jordan a little bit more, but I don't think we're going to see any, any excess scoring ability or anything else out of him. I, I just don't think that's something we'll see Wendell, same Wendell, same decision-making problems. One of the things that one of the things I saw with Wendell and it's, it's bothered me a little bit because one of the, his at a high school being able to get to the basket, the angles that he was able to take, the the way he would drive and the way he would attack was a big highlight of his and against Coppin State I didn't see that and th- these are some smaller guards that he was playing against compared to him he should have been able to bully his way to the basket and he just couldn't one of the things I noticed about that his footwork man was really really bad quite honestly like if you look back at the go back and watch the film and and take a peek like his footwork did not look good and I think it led to some of those charges that he got some of those turnovers that he had trying to cut through the middle of the lane and that's that's one thing that is very difficult midseason to change. Like there's some things you can change midseason, like you're not hitting a shot or something else like that. But your footwork is something that un- unless you can get a lot of individual time to work on it, it's that's going to be that's going to be a problem for him. So let's see. Let's see what that does that how, how that kind of you know fixes itself as the season goes on, because we're going to need him like. His shot looked decent. The couple of shots that he took, it looked decent. His mid-range game looks decent in terms of his jumpers and such. It's just he's he's got to be able to be a guy for us that can get into the lane and make things happen. And and he did not show that ability against Coppin State at all. And then uh, and then I want to get to Matt real quick, and then I'll, I'll let you get back on it. Out, out of the returners, Matt was the most encouraging for me. His first, I thought his first half was great. I thought he had an incredible first half. He had an all ACC type first half in terms of his scoring ability. He showed his entire entire scoring package inside, outside. He had yeah. some nice rebounds. He had that little split rebound. I think that was second half, but he had the little split rebound, much like the Wake Forest rebound he had last year. That kind of got yep, us back absolutely. in the game at Wake on that one. He had a, a, one of those nice plays that he tipped it over to Jalen Johnson for a layup. But you know, he he really encouraged me with the. He was not. Against a team like Coppin State, Matt Hurt was not a liability like he was last year against a small ball team. He was able to stay in front of guys. He was able to defend. He moved his feet. He was able to switch at times because uh, Juan Dixon tried to put him in some switch positions, and he handled those really, really well, actually. And his closeout ability to look better, and I think it's because he added that strength, and I think he added some hip strength with that, and it looked like he was able to close more explosively, and that was really, really important. That's something he didn't have last year. So he looked much better on defense, in my opinion. And then the the rebounding, I think, was just a, fa- a, a factor of we're a bigger team. He got seven rebounds out of it. I don't think that's going to be consistent. Quite honestly, he's not he's not a rebounder. That's not his game. So we'll see where that goes. 
But I thought his shots looked good. The shots he took were smart shots, and they were good shots, and he looked confident with them. So I'm, I'm not worried about Matt at all. He just got in foul trouble in that second half. I think he got taken out of the game a little bit because of that and couldn't get much of a rhythm going, and he was he was pretty much done at that point. So hopefully that's not how he plays all season, where if he is in foul trouble, he needs that rhythm to be able to stay in a game because we do need him in games. But I, I thought Matt was good, man. Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at Jordan Goldwire and uh, Joey Baker specifically, they're specialists. Mm-hmm. Joey's specialist is being a knockdown three-point shooter. Yep. Uh, Jordan's specialist should and only should be uh, hitting wide-open shots and being the defensive stopper that he can Three be. and D, yep. You know what I mean? And if, if, if you were – again, this is nothing new. This is nothing new that we haven't said before. We are talking about things that all Duke fans should – take a step back mm-hmm. on their evaluation on Jordan Goldwire and just be like, okay, look, this is who he is. He is a three and D guy. He's a very good defender. He yep. he had a couple really good pokeaways, a couple good steals. But at the end of the day, you know, he's over three uh, from three. He was one for five from the, from the field. You know, that, that and they were seeking him out on some of those shots. Yeah, like there was, there were some yeah. shots that they should like. Jalen Johnson had a couple layups he should have taken, and he kicked out the gold wire. And it's like yeah. I don't uh, know if that's yeah, the option. No, I, and, and, and that kind of goes back to your point about being, you know, selfish for the right mm-hmm. reasons. You know, yeah. understand, you know, your personnel, and I think it's really difficult for a freshman to be selfish, especially mm-hmm. when you have a four-year guy. But but the reality is, and we'll talk about the freshman in our next segment, but. Um, now, Jordan Goldwire is perfect for who he should be. Yep. And that's all we need him. That's all we need him to be. Be a lockdown defender. We don't want him running the team. I know I, I got very queasy at the end of the game when he's uh, you know, holding the ball and mm-hmm. you know, Kay actually took him out, you know, then some of that had to do with fouls, but but he put Roach in that position. I think that's right. Okay, so let, let me just let me just say that um and I want to finish the segment up uh, on the return guys. I want to focus on the two guys that really do matter. These are the guys that uh, we really focused on uh, our last few podcasts, Matthew Hurt, Wendell mm-hmm. Moore. Wendell Moore is a guy I was very bullish on, and you correctly pointed out a little bit of reservation on your end uh, on, on what we can expect from Wendell Moore. I thought that he was tentative. I thought he looked exactly like he did uh, for a large portion of that game like he did last year. Mm-hmm. And that is not something we can afford. We can't afford right. that because we need him to be that Chris Carroll type of, mm-hmm. you know, all-around type of guy. I'm not, I'm not saying he needs to be senior year ACC player of the year, Chris Carroll, but he does need to be that guy that does a little bit of everything. Right. Um, you know, he had a couple of shots late, which I really liked because I thought he played within the within the rhythm of the game. He had a, that, that nice little mid-range jumper. I think that yep. is – what his name is. Yep. Um, I love what you pointed out about Matthew Hurt and that one play where he has the blocks on the, on the other end, runs the floor, gets the offensive rebound, tips it over, and we get a bucket. That was huge. And, mm-hmm. and th- the thing for me with Matthew Hurt is he's a very resilient player. I even said Absolutely. this last year. I said this last year on our podcast multiple times that even though he had his struggles, he was a very resilient player. He could bounce back better mm-hmm. than most freshmen could. Yep. And I think that he's going to take this game. It wasn't his best game. It wasn't anywhere close. But he did hit a couple big shots and big spots. And I do really believe that he can be a guy that we can count on going forward. Because, again, look, we didn't have any exhibition games. You know, we didn't have any um, 
you know, garner webs before we played this game. This was this is it. We're gonna throw you into the fire. We have no fans. We have to bring our own energy. We have to do all these things. And Matthew Hurt, he's not a vocal guy. You know, he's a guy that is gonna do his talking through his game. Mm-hmm. And all I'm looking for Matthew Hurt here, he had 12 and 7. It's just a little bit more consistency. That's it. Yep, that's it. It just we need him to be consistent. He was, you know, he's five points away from where we said in the preseason yeah. podcast where we think he should be 17 points a game. He's five points away from that. So, you know, and I'm I'm not concerned. He wasn't he wasn't getting many touches in the second half. He didn't get nearly as many touches as he got in the first half. Like first half, they were funneling the ball through him and he he made it count. Second half, they didn't give him many looks. He wasn't on the floor as often. And you see the result. He he barely I think he might have scored two points in the second half all all of these uh, all of the second half, right? So it's one of those things where we just we need the consistency out of him, and I think I think in big spots and in big games we're gonna put the ball in his hands and let him do some work because he's one of our best offensive players. He's one of the best offensive players in the country, quite honestly, because of what he can do and his his versatility. It's just can we get him the ball in good places for him to make shots? And I think we can because he can make shots all over the floor. The last thing I want to touch on with this with this section is Wendell Moore. The thing that's gonna help Wendell is if some of the freshmen can become you know college level scorers all season long and and Wendell like Wendell this one game with Wendell I don't think is indicative of his entire season I think the 27 games we play this season in the regular season at least or whatever I I don't think Wendell is gonna look like this every single one of those games like very very well against Michigan State we could be seeing Wendell look like the Georgetown Wendell that we saw and we're like holy crap this dude is a beast right so it, that's that's him because that, that's what he can do. So I, I want to be able to see it. Like this game was not, it wasn't good for him. I don't think it was a great game. I don't think it showcased what he can do. And I don't think it's it's 100% who he's going to be. But one of the biggest things and the biggest factors for him is he needs to be dropped down, I think, to like our like tertiary or fourth score, man. Like he's, he's like the fourth dude, I think, that we need to run the offense through. And part of that's going to be, can Jeremy Roach and can DJ Stewart be offensive weapons for us that allow Wendell to make those types of moves or even Joey Baker. Can he also be on the floor with Wendell and become like a scoring option so that Wendell can have some of that pressure taken off of him? I think that's going to really, really help his season. So moving forward, who can get them the ball? And I believe it's going to be the freshmen. The yeah. freshmen have to be able to step Jeez. up, and that's and that's where we're moving to. And you already said it. You know, Jalen Johnson won us in every single category, almost. Yeah. But he really did his best work in the turnover department. He has seven turnovers. <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. Okay, so he had 19 <laughs> points and 19 rebounds. Uh, my Dude, main he had man, a double Ryan, double in the first half, man. <laughs> my main man, my main man, Ryan Craig, on the mic with William Avery in the booth. Yep. Up in the crow's nest, he was talking about. Can I say one thing? And oh, it's no, gonna no. hurt. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And, and believe me, I know what you're gonna say. And I'm, I'm not gonna lie <laughs> to do it. I'm not gonna lie to do it. All right, I'm not gonna say it. I'm not gonna do it. Moving on. Because <laughs> that would be a separate segment in itself. But yeah. now that we're here, AC. Now that we're here, you might as well do it. We can't. We can't <laughs> leave our audience. Do it. Just do it's, it. Look, man. I I love I love Will Avery as a player. I love him as a Duke representative. I am so oh, happy he came back and got his degree. I'm so happy he's on the sideline with the team as a grad assistant and everything else. Dude, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 
like he maybe he can get better. Maybe it's like Wendell. He can get better as the season moves on, I hope, because he's probably gonna be doing a few of our non-conference games because of the way Duke has lockdown. So I I have trouble with him as as a color commentator. I mean, he it's like it's supposed to be a conversation between the two guys, right? And he's one of he's one of those people, it's like you're sitting on a bus, it's a it's a long ride wherever you're going on this bus, and the person beside hey. you is there, and you're like, you know what, hey. I need to talk to this person. And you start talking to him and you're trying, you're, you're feeding them. You're like, Hey man, it's like, dude, I, I, I went to the Super Bowl the other day and you know, it was, it was great. And there was this and that. And then he's just like, Oh yeah, cool. I saw the Super Bowl. Dang. I, it, you I, know what I mean? It's like one sentence and done. It's like, Oh, I can't, I can't, I can't do it, man. I can't. Know, it's, hard, know, it's so hard. And look, uh, man, there, there are some things that we, you know, should keep off the podcast and, and I love William Avery. Uh, uh, like I said, you know, my main man, Ryan Cray, carried the day. Um, so I'm just going to leave it at that. And, um, you know, if you want my real thoughts, please hit us up on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, but uh, William Avery, if you are listening, I love you. Um, I love him to death, man. I do. He's one of my favorite players. We've, we've, we've done multiple podcasts where we've talked about William Avery. But anyway, okay. Well, so, okay, so Jalen Johnson, 19 points, 19 rebounds. He uh, had five assists. He was all over the floor. He had a couple of highlight reel. I mean, first of all, elevator, elevator yeah. putbacks. I mean, mm-hmm. this guy, I knew that he had a great vertical uh, based on the combine results, but elevator, elevator. Yeah. Are you serious? Like this yep. guy, I can only imagine if the crazies were there, um, what they would have done on you know a couple of his putbacks. This guy was all over the floor. Right. He did everything. He had a great stroke. He was eight of eight from the field. This guy did every single thing. We knew coming into this year that he was going to be the best player on our team. That's mm-hmm. bar none. That's yep. you know unequivocally easy to understand as a Duke fan. Um, and if we, if if we weren't sure coming in, <laughs> it's pretty obvious <laughs> now. Uh, it's one of yeah. those things that we said when we went to countdown the craziness over the last decade. We Sometimes you just know, like you just see it. Yep. Like when, when you're coming into 2010, 2011, and you're counting the craziness, and you're, you just won the national championship. You have Nolan Smith, you have Kyle Singleton, you have Seth Curry, you have Andre Dawkins all coming back, and then you have Kyrie Irving coming in as a freshman point guard. It doesn't take more than 10 seconds to realize who the mm-hmm. best player on the floor is, and exactly. Jalen Johnson is the best player on the floor. AC. I'm not saying he's going to have 19 and 19 every game. He's not going to be Marvin Bagley, who might be arguably the most underrated, amazing player we've ever had. Right. Uh, just from a fan's perspective. But what is Jalen Johnson going forward going to do to build off of this? Uh, building wise, he needs to be able to cut down on turnovers. He needs to be able to take you know, take a few more shots than he took this game. He needs to be a little bit more selfish in, in that regard. That's how he can build. There's not much farther. There's not much farther he can go this one season in college. Like he is going to, we've said it before. We'll say it again. We'll say it next week. He will be the best player on the floor for both teams. Most of the games this season that we play, there's only a couple games. I can even think of off the top of my head where I'm like, okay, they'll have the better player. Like, so it's, it's like that that's him. And that's how he plays. He's, he's got a man's body out there. Like he's, he's the, like the strongest, biggest player on the floor. He's in the same tier athletically as Zion, as Marvin Bagley, like those big body, like able to get off the floor really quick, able to run the floor faster than everybody else. It's just, it's clear. Like it is, it is absolutely clear that he is 
the biggest, best, fastest, strongest player on the floor. It's just how it goes. And yeah. and he and the one thing that he showed is that he will do it all over the court as well. Like there's some guys who are like that and they don't necessarily, you know, they don't necessarily mix it up underneath the boards in terms of rebounding and such. There's some guys who don't, you know, they don't pass the ball as often. Like he does everything he does on the court is with talent and with purpose. And outside of those few turnovers, he had some, he had some bad mistakes where he was really trying to be super unselfish and do his Ben Simmons thing. And, and that's great and all, but we, you know, we don't need that. (laughs) But that's not what's going to win us the NCAA tournament. Like what's going to win us the NCAA tournament is him being the takeover type of guy that he, he can possibly be. So that's where I want to see him build is just in that, in that being selfish. He needs to be a little bit more selfish. He can still do those things that he does, which is get into the lane and set other guys up. He can absolutely, absolutely do those things. But there were times he passed the ball and some of the other guys on the court, like Wendell, he 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 threw it to Wendell a couple times oh, on the baseline yeah, after yeah, drives, yeah, yeah. and Wendell wasn't even ready for it because Wendell was going for the rebound because he thought that Jalen was going to get a shot up. Like Wendell was actually trying to get out of the way a couple times because he thought he was going to be in the way because of the way the angle that Jalen was taking, and Jalen gives him a pass instead, and Wendell's got to like last second grab the ball and try to get a shot up, and you know, and it was not in rhythm. Like that's that's what I'm talking about. Those types of plays have to go away because the veterans, some of those other guys are thinking like, that's a shot. Clearly that's a shot you should have taken. And, and, and Jalen's trying to be that unselfish. I'm going to pass to everybody type of guy. And he's, he's just got to figure his way out with that man. Cause he's been used to, to doing it in high school. It's a different monster in college. And he's, he's just got to be a little more selfish with it. Yeah. Three players took more shots than Jalen Johnson. Jalen Johnson only took eight shots. Mm-hmm. And was- that's okay. Like, which if he takes fine, eight but... to ten, yeah, because he's going to be super efficient. Because most of his shots are going to be around the rim. He's going to yeah. get one to two three point chances a game, and, unless a team tries to play the taco fall defense against him. If they do do that, he's going to be able to work. attack. Right? It's yeah. not a it's not a good idea because he can attack. Like the taco fall defense against Trey was because Trey couldn't attack. Jalen can absolutely attack the basket and dish, which that's why you can't play taco defense against him. So he's going to get those two, you know, one to two, maybe even three opportunities a game at shooting a three. If he hits one out of those two or three, I'm happy with that because that's not his game. But the rest of it's going to work out. And if, if Matt gets a couple more shots than him or, you know, Wendell gets a couple more shots than him in a game or even even Joey, if he's hot and he's getting a couple more shots than Jalen in the game, I'm cool with that because that's the way this team is kind of set up, DJ even. So I, I think that's fine. I don't think he needs to take more shots than everybody else, but I do think he needs to be more selfish. So DJ story, you just mentioned him. Mm-hmm. This guy is a guy that we predicted would be, wow. you know, hot or not. Yeah. And so we don't know the not yet. We only know the hot part. He was 10 of 18. He had 24 points. Only a handful of uh, freshmen in their debuts have ever had more points than him. Zion Williamson, yep. Marvin Bagley, uh, RNG Barry, you know, to name a, to name a couple, like yep. I'm not sure. it's a pretty short list. And DJ Stewart was yep. right there. He had nine rebounds. I think a lot of those, you know, came off of obviously there was a lot of threes taken from uh right. Tampa State. So you're gonna have a lot of rebounds, uh, a lot of long rebounds, and that's gonna happen. Um but he's willing to get in there and mix it, man. Like yeah, we don't have a lot of guards in the that do that. And and the one thing I really liked about him is he was ready. He was ready yeah. to go. He you know he Pinned his ears back and was ready to roll. Like if he missed a yep. shot, he missed a shot. He didn't care. You know, he was ten of eighteen and missed a couple of shots. You know, at the very end when the game was already mm-hmm. in hand. Um, you know, he was very efficient. He was very efficient. Yeah. He was a playmaker. He had a couple of setups um, that I thought, wow, I go, that's that's a mature move. That's a really yep. that's a junior senior type of play. And the reality is now 
if you're Trevor Keels, I'm not trying to pick this whole thing in the recording. <laughs> you look at this performance here from DJ Stewart and be like, okay, that could be me. And mm-hmm. AC is DJ Stewart going to be here? Is it too soon to say this? DJ Stewart it's, won't be here. It's too soon, but if he plays this way, then it's not too soon because he's he's a one and done talent. If he plays, if he if he's a fifteen plus score a game shooting forty percent from three, he shouldn't be here next year. Like that's bottom line. That's how it goes. Like if if that's the season that he has, he shouldn't be here. I his floor is pretty high, I think. And I yeah, think it is. It is. I, like like we say, you know, it's compensate and everything else. But if we spread the floor the way we do, he's gonna get all of those little. Those little, you know, little bucket curl, little little hooks that he was getting to the basket. He looked, he looked very much like a junior Nolan Smith, if I should, yeah. if I say so. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't want to compare him yet, but one yeah, game. AC, AC, you're right. I just want to kind of piggyback off of that. Mm-hmm. I one thing I loved was his movement without the ball. Yeah, his movement without the ball, getting into open spaces, knowing where he should be, I thought was very mature. Absolutely. And let's see and let's see if that maturity, you know, if it's the same maturity plays out against Michigan State. I think it will. I don't know if he'll have 24 against Michigan State, but I think his floor all season long is like between 10 and 13 points. Like that's his floor. Like he's going to yeah. miss shots some games. He's not the same shots that were falling against this team aren't going to fall against everyone. And that's fine. But the way he gets his shots, the way he moves the floor, the way the floor is spread for the whole team, the way guys are looking for him, like he's going to get opportunities to make shots. So that is something all season long that's not going to change. Like that's just it's not going to change. He's not going to all of a sudden forget how to play basketball. DJ Stewart is clearly a really, really good player. He clearly knows how to play the game. And and a high IQ player. Absolutely. High IQ and he fights. And, and, yeah, well, he fights. He was ready for the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Kay always talks about being ready for the moment. Uh, one of the things that I took away outside of obviously his numbers was just how high of an IQ that he actually had. That yeah. was the thing that really impressed me. Yep. When when everyone else was making really silly mistakes, he was on the floor really just you know with a command type presence he had a really really good presence at the same time he was like a wind-up toy man he came off the bench ready like just all of a sudden boom go and that's that's what i was talking about in the beginning of the podcast like bring your own energy like he's going to be one of those guys that he's going to be one of our energy guys who's also really talented on the court and and I'm really I'm interested to see, man. I'm interested to see Tuesday. I'm interested to see against Illinois. I'm interested to see in you know February and the ACC schedule when it's kind of slogged down, and you know we'll see how that goes. But w- those are some like key moments that I can't wait to see. Is DJ Stewart really going to show us what he showed us this game? Like I, I don't I don't think this was a flash in the pan Taylor King twenty seven point performance. I think this was <laughs> you know what I mean. I think this was I think this was a, a guy who knows how to play the game and can get shots from all over the court. And he's one of those guys that can create his own offense. And I'm, I'm I was really happy with what I saw. So you know, kind of transitioning in this same segment here is moving forward. And mm-hmm. I mean, let's start with DJ Stewart, like. Going forward here, give me your starting lineup, and, and I'm going to give you mine first. I'm, I'm right. going to say that um, Jeremy Roach should be starting going forward, and I'm going to give you my reason why. And then DJ Stewart should be starting as well. Wendell mm-hmm. Moore, Jalen Johnson, Matthew Hurt. Look, here's the thing for me. Um, DJ Stewart put everything to rest. He put everything to rest. It is. It should no longer be a 
question of whether he should or should not be starting. He should be starting every single game going forward. And I'm going to piggyback off of that and say that Jeremy Roach should be starting as well. And I know that, you know, Jeremy Roach didn't have a great game. We predicted here, uh, based on the reports that we've been getting, the intel that you have, especially with uh, your connection with Paul the Six, we knew that, you know, Jeremy Roach is going to have his up and downs. And we've mm-hmm. talked about, you know, what should we do here? Like, you know, with the fact that, you know, Goulbar probably going to get another year and can come back and that's great for Duke and all this stuff. Look, the way I look at it now is, okay, Goldwire is who we know who we know who Goldwire is, and that's great right. for us. We know who he is. Look, I am willing to ride with the growing pains with Jeremy Roach. Mm-hmm. I loved how he played at the very end of the game. I loved how Coach K went with him, took yep. Goldwire out of the game, and not not a knock on Goldwire, not a knock on Goldwire, but I loved how he had faith in Jeremy Roach because he understands that if we want to get to where we want to get to at the end of the year, let alone right. next year. You know what? Screw it. Let's just go. Let's just mm-hmm. let's, let's just ride with it. I like the big three that he hit in the in that second half when we were yep. only up six. He has the big three. Uh, he has the confidence to take that shot. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love look. The turnover is going to be there. That's just going to be part of the growing pains. But I do like his command, and I think that he needs to have more more freedom to just be able to do it. And so going forward, AC, I want to see him twenty five plus minutes a game. Yeah, I think so. And he's like we we've talked about it. He he's an elite athlete and a really really good defender. He was. He's a good defender. He's not an elite defender yet. I think he can get there. I want to see him be able to to create more turnovers because we're going to need that. But he we are a better team on the floor with him out there than we are with Jordan running the point. Now, if Jordan is going to, and I'll, I'm going to give you my who I think the starting five will be for at least the foreseeable future, not necessarily after, yeah, like not, I'm not talking 2021 yet. I'm talking, you know, these next couple of games in 2020 still. But one of the things that I, I want to see more of is, is I want to see Jalen bringing the ball down the court a little bit more because he's that point forward type of role. And if he really is going to play it, I want to see him bringing the, the ball down the court because he didn't do that much this game. And we can still set him up down low and we can still set the offense up with him bringing the ball up up the court. And I want to see that a little more often because I think if Jordan is going to play, I think Jalen has to be the one bringing it up, not Jordan. So I, I think the next few games, we still see Jordan in the starting lineup, but I think we do see DJ sneak in there instead of Joey. And I still think Jeremy comes off the bench for the next couple of games, but I do think Jeremy's going to end up taking over because he does have more poise at the point guard role than Jordan does because he's a more comfortable point guard than Jordan is. So next couple of games, I still see it as a Jordan Goldwire, maybe DJ Stewart instead of Joey, Wendell, Matt Hurt, and Jalen Johnson in the five, uh, in the starting five. So I think that's what we'll see moving forward. I just, if we do see that, if we don't have Jeremy in the game right off the bat, I definitely want to see Jalen bringing the ball up the court more often and playing some two-man with uh, with Matt Hurt. So what do you see coming in to Tuesday night, the starting lineup? That's the one. I think that's the one we see. Okay. I think we yeah, see I, Jordan. I, I think we see DJ. I think we see Jalen. I think we see Wendell. And I think we see Matt. And so to finish this one up real quick, I want to do, I do want to touch on a couple of guys that we haven't really talked about. Henry Coleman, mm-hmm. uh, Mark, Mark Williams, and obviously Patrick Tape. Guys yep. that, you know, this wasn't a good matchup where we, we, we alluded to that earlier in our mm-hmm. first segment, but, but really this was not a, a game that is indicative of our faith or lack thereof for right. our front court. 
what do you see their presence being, not necessarily just for Michigan State, but really in the ACC, the bulk of that season? You have you have bigger teams that we're going to play. Like the ACC is a really good conference with a lot of teams that have you know a traditional download type of player, whatever. Also, we're going to see those guys get in those games. They're all in. They're all in a prove it to me role right now. Like they're all in that role of K's. Like prove it to me. Can you play against guards and wings? Prove it to me. Can you play against big guys? Prove it to me. Can you rebound and do play winning basketball? Prove it to me. Like they're all in that role. They're not in a secure role right now. None of them. So they're going to have to prove it. Like Mark Williams is going to have to use that seven foot five wingspan to block shots and, and deflect passes and affect the other team's offense down low. He didn't do that this game in those small minutes that he played. Henry is going to have to, you know, he's, he's a man out there, dude. I didn't like, I knew he was a big dude and I knew he was strong. He looked massive out there on the court, dude. Like he was, he was enormous. Like there's only one player bigger than Jalen Johnson on the court, and it's Henry Coleman. Like it's it's insane to me. That dude is so strong. So and he can move. Like he's he's not a stiff. So he's one of those guys that I think the game's just gonna have to become comfortable to him. And I think he's one of those guys that we see coming toward down the stretch towards the tournament that all of a sudden he ends up being like one of those wow. You know, Henry, Henry Coleman is a contributor to this tournament team for us. Like, I think I think we're going to see that out of him. So I think it's coming. I don't think it's happening yet. I think it's coming for him. And this is a bad matchup for him to start out with it. And then Jamin, like looking at Jamin, Jamin Brakefield, like he and Patrick Tapay are kind of in like he's he's in a better place than Tapay for sure. But and like Jamin is like, it's is he going to hit shots? He's not a great shooter. I don't know that he's going to hit enough shots to warrant being on the court all the time. He doesn't rebound enough yet to warrant being on the court. He doesn't. This is the thing we talked about with him. He doesn't do one thing where it's like, man, that dude is great at this. Like he's more athletic than most guys. He gets up and down the court better than most guys. And he has a lot, a lot of really good energy. So he's going to have to find something that he can do well to help this team out because this team is full of specialists. You talked about it earlier. Jordan's three and D. Joey's a shooter. Mark Williams is a shot blocker extraordinaire. Henry is a dog rebounder. Like we got a bunch of specialists on the bench that in that moment, they can come in and do that thing that we need. Jamin doesn't have that. And I really, that's the thing that like, I'm hoping he's patient and develops a skill because he doesn't have one right now. So I was ready to move on to the next segment, but I want to talk about Jamin a little bit more. I thought that there was a moment in that second half where he mm-hmm. was kind of like right there. He was kind of yeah. right there. Yeah. It felt like he, it, right? He made, he made a couple plays and then unfortunately he made a turnover. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, he only played four minutes, but I felt like his presence was real in the four minutes that he was there. And look, I think it's going to be a learning process. Like you said, he's not a specialist of, any, of anything, but he is a all-around very good player, and he's going to have to figure out a way to crack that rotation to, to the point where the coaches cannot take him out. To, to, Absolutely. And he, he played – he played – he was in the game with Jeremy, with DJ, with Jalen, and with Wendell. And those five, and him, him and that group, those I five like, guys I were like – it was a really good lineup, man. For like a couple of minutes, it was, a, and like you said, like it felt like he was like, it was right there for him. It was like, oh my god, like is he about to take something? Like is he about to take this and run with it? And he just, he just couldn't do it. Like it was just, uh, was and he almost like, uh, yeah, like, like Jer- Jeremy missed him. Jeremy missed him on a fast break lob opportunity that probably really would have set the entire team on fire when they needed it. 
and and Jeremy yeah. made made a bad yeah. play in trying to wait till he got all the way to the basket. He should have fed him early, and Jamin had a dunk probably all over that dude's head. And, and, and that's and, the and, thing he's gonna give us. And to, to, to your point, like like Jamin and, and and Jeremy looked at each other after that, and I mm-hmm. think you know Jeremy, you know, got the foul or whatever, and so he, he did. Looked, he did. A lot. They looked at each other and like you know they they had that eye contact. Jeremy knows going forward, the play is not for him to go. Right. The play there is to leave it up. Yep. And if you leave that thing up and if the camera freezes were there, that was a flush yeah. that sets yeah. the crowd on fire and Duke makes one of those runs. And, yep. and, those are the and kind Jamin of probably gets five to six more minutes on the floor. And, exactly. And and those are those are the kind of plays that those those little plays that you don't really see that you kind of look on them and you're like, okay, they knew that it was there, they just didn't they didn't execute. And yep. They haven't played enough. This is the first game. So, you know, to be fair, okay, let's move forward to college basketball rewind. And I'm mm-hmm. going to pick this up right where I left off. Let's play. There's not a, a lot of continuity for any of these teams in college basketball right not now. Yet. They haven't had the exhibitions. They haven't had the preseason that normally you do. And that's why this past week, the first week of college basketball, you see all these teams losing. UVA losing to uh, San Francisco. Yeah, Francisco. Yep. Uh, your boys, Virginia Tech, knocking oh, off of Villanova yeah. uh, in, in overtime, which, by the way, if we're going to be technical, they probably should have just won the regulation, but there was some – anyway. <laughs> um, Kentucky just lost on Sunday to Richmond, mm-hmm. uh, kind of spanked in the second half at home. Yep. Uh, Memphis. Uh, not a team that's ranked, but has lost two games already. Boogie Ellis, a guy that we recruited, hasn't started a single yep. game. He has had some nice numbers, but he hasn't started a game. Is he rethinking where he is? I don't know, but again, something to mention. Gonzaga mm-hmm. is the one team so far that they, by the way, I want to give a shout out to Mark Few and Gonzaga. They covered the uh, three and a half point spread against Kansas <laughs> in game one. I appreciate that. Thank you so yep. much. Uh, big win for your boy TK. So dinner's on, <laughs> dinner's on me next time. Uh, all right, all right. You know Baylor has looked solid. Illinois had a couple of tough games. Uh, one against o- uh, Ohio that they only won by mm-hmm. two points, and then there was Iowa. Uh, Luke Garza comes back at forty-one fucking points. Wow! He missed one thirty-six shot. at the half, dude. He missed one shot. I, was like, I think yeah. he was 14 or 15. Like, the dude was fucking on fire. I, I was not happy when he decided to withdraw his name from the NBA draft, yeah. come back to, to come back to Iowa. Look, it's going to be a wild, wild year. Look, even now St. Mary's held Maryland close for, until, like, the last four minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, shout out to the Mount. But, look. It's going to be that kind of year. So as a Duke fan, you look at the first game. We knew we didn't have any continuity. There's a lot of reasons for it. We can look at that and hand our heads or, you know, kind of, you know, get too deep in the sand in, in, in what we're doing and not realize that all college basketball is kind of in the situation where AC, I don't know what to expect. I, I do expect Zaggy to kind of be there the whole year. I expect Baylor to be there the whole year. I do oh, expect yeah, yeah. Villanova to be there the whole year. I do expect UVA to be there the whole year, but not as much as the first three. So you tell me, tell our fans, tell our listeners, you know, what is college basketball looking like in in this year? 
it's early in the season you're going to see because everybody's in the same boat we're in that we're talking about with Coppin State. They're not getting the exhibitions. They're not getting the opportunities to see some of their new guys. A lot of these teams have some newcomers. Some of them are returnees. And, and you see the, one, the, the teams that are returning a bunch of guys and a bunch of production from last year are the teams that are beating everybody by 30 right now. That's just the way it works. Like They know how to play together. The teams like Kentucky and everybody else who are working new guys into the system are going to have roadblocks early on, and then they'll they'll get better and be dangerous by the time the season ends. Like that's just kind of how it goes, and that's college basketball and in in um uh, like the microcosm of college basketball right now. It's the gap is getting smaller between the top teams and the lower teams, and you're seeing a mix of one and done type squads and a mix of senior laden teams, and a lot of these teams are replacing like Virginia. Virginia's replacing. A fair amount of production with you know Jaquita gone and some of those guys, they're they're bringing in Hauser like they're making him like a star which he's not like you know what I mean like there's there's a lot of things happening but they're gonna be a really good team they're gonna be a team they're gonna be one of those those teams that knows how to play together knows the system as the year moves on Kentucky is gonna be one of those teams that's gonna lose some head scratchers all season long until you get to like late February, early March, and then they're going to be a dangerous, like, four seed in the tournament. Like, that's, you know, that's just how it goes with them. So it's, I'm, I, you know, I don't I don't want to look at any of this and, and say that, you know, all these teams are who they are right now. It's yeah. it's just, yeah, Gonzaga and Baylor are probably the two teams who they are right now. Those That's it. All right. Beca- all right. Because in Iowa. And, 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 Iowa. And, and to be fair, I would, I would add Villanova into that. I am not sold on Villanova. You're you're, you're a little bit biased. <laughs> you're you're a little bit biased. And you're coming at it from a. Uh, I'm not uh, sold on yeah, them, man. Like, look, yeah. they I, got I, the Virginia I, Tech. I, here's the story: they got the Virginia Tech game at 1:45 in the like 1:45 in the morning. They said you're going to play this game against Virginia Tech. So they they've never seen tape. They don't know how to prepare for them. Blah blah blah. However, you know that's that's a similar scenario that you have in the NCAA tournament. I think that they will be fine in the Big East because the Big East is the Big East. But when they get into the Ooh. tournament where they're playing Ooh. these teams that, you know, you don't know who's about to win until the game's over, right? And you, and you have a day to prepare. I don't think Nova is a tournament team that's got, like, you. what you saw out of them against Tech is what you're going to see. Somebody is going to be able to upset Villanova because of style of play, because of team makeup. And Virginia Tech is the, like, exact type of team that's going to give this particular Jay Wright group a lot of trouble, which is a court spreading small team that plays fast. Like that's going to give them trouble. That's just how it goes for them this season. So if they run, if they run into that in a tournament, they're going to get upset. Bottom line, you hear, you heard it here on the podcast back in December. Yeah, no, I, I, I can't let you run with that. Uh, look, you're, you're a biased <laughs> person. You're a biased opinion right. on this one. Um, yes, of course, you know, there are situations where, um, you know, any team like that could upset whoever. But I do believe Villanova, look, again, their first week of playing, they're trying to figure things out as well. It's not going to be a situation where, yeah, and, and, I, and I also don't agree with you on the uh, the tournament-type situation. Like, look, the, that's not a good analogy to me. I, I don't like that because okay. – in the tournament, you have a day off, and you have game tapes of about twenty-five to thirty games to be sure. able to evaluate. This is not the same thing. You're talking it's about not. the next day. You know, it's, it's kind of like you know, if we want to harken way back to ninety-nine, ninety-eight, where you know we lost to Cincinnati, uh, Duke lost to Cincinnati up mm-hmm. in Anchorage in the Alaska shootout. Yep. Um, you know, yeah, Cincinnati was a great team, uh, but look, that was a situation where look. You're playing the next day. You don't have any tape on these guys. You have no clue what's going to happen. 
and sure. we just happen to lose. It's a, it's a one and done. But I don't look. I believe. I believe in Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Look, I love. I'm with you. I believe in Jeremiah Robinson Earl. I think he is a lottery talent. Absolutely, 100. percent I'm interested to see if Brian Antoine, a guy that we recruited pretty heavily, and I was really, really high on. I'm really, yeah, I'm really, I'm really interested to see like if he can, you know, what he can do because I know he's he's had a lot of injury trouble with the squad. So I'm interested to see if back half of the season if he can put something together, but. I'm not I'm not sold on this team. It's not the same it's not the same Dante DiVincenzo team that we always see with Jay Wright and everybody wants to put all these teams like this is just because it's the same coach, it's the same team. That's not the case. Like Tony Bennett squad, it's not Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome and DeAndre Hunter. It's uh, just I mean, not. I, I, I'm, not, I'm, like, not to, I'm not trying to puke on this podcast. I'm not trying to get that <laughs> I'm so sick and tired. Uh, there's a lot of of Duke fans in this situation where they're talking about who's the current best coach in the country, Jay Wright, Tony Bennett. I mean, give me a break. I mean, it's none of those guys, it's gay. He's the best coach in the country. Houston Houston just beat Texas Tech, so let's let's pump the bricks. You know, like, let's already pump the Chris Beard system. The Chris Chris Beard system is amazing. Look how they play defense. Shut up, like, they're they're just as flawed as everybody else. It's one week. Nobody has right. any clue what's going to happen. I again, we've already said. I definitely agree that Iowa, Gonzaga, Baylor—they will be in the mix mm-hmm. for the whole year. I agree Absolutely. that I, I personally believe that Villanova will be there. Give me four teams right now that you believe will be in the mix the entire year. Give me four. Four in the mix the whole season is going to be Gonzaga, hands down Gonzaga, Baylor. Iowa, Duke. Those are the four teams. Oh, my goodness. All Those right, are the four so, spots. Speaking of Duke, we have a big game coming up Tuesday night mm-hmm. against Michigan State. Michigan State just beat Notre Dame by Bray. It was a really, really early game. I have mm-hmm. no idea if we even know this, but Joshua Lampert is there for his 37th year. He's I on the Perry Ellis program. I, I have no idea how Michigan <laughs> State does this. How does Michigan State do – Keeping players for 27 years. I don't understand how that works. I think Matt Christensen works in their athletic department. I believe that's. I think that's. He's, that, he, fig- that he figured the season. He figured he the system for, out. He was here for 19 years. <laughs> yeah, he figured the system out, man. Dude, they yeah yeah. Langford's still there. They still got Rocket Watts. He's back as a sophomore. They got Malik Hall, which I was I was really impressed with him last season as a a six seven you know kind of bulldog forward who could hit the three when he needed to. I like Aaron Henry. He's he's always perpet. I like him because he's perpetually in Tom Izzo's doghouse. Like Izzo is constantly like just berating that kid, and it's like, <laughs> what the hell did he do? Like, what, what did, did he, he like? Did he kick Mateen Cleaves in the shins? Is that what happened? Like, I want to know, man. Like, what did Aaron Henry say about Mateen Cleaves that constantly has Izzo just yelling at this dude on the sidelines? Because I really think he's a really good player, and I think he could be a good player, but. I mean, he's a junior. Maybe he's just tired of it. Maybe he's like, I don't know, whatever. I don't care anymore. But there's like, there's just something. It's like, holy cow, dude. He's always in his doghouse, man. I don't know what it is, dude. Why are you so angry, Tom? I don't understand that. I just don't. Okay, he's so, so mad. He's so angry. Okay, so, okay, so Josh Langford is somehow still there. Okay, so coming into Cameron, which is not only coming into Cameron, they're just traveling. Uh, mm-hmm. It is not Cameron Indoor Stadium anymore. You already said your piece on William Avery. By the way, William Avery, for listening, you're still a friend of the program. I love it, man. I want him to come on the show. 
Yeah, if you want to come on the show, <laughs> I will absolutely coordinate with you to make sure the AC is not here. We can have a man-to-man <laughs> chat. Um, Ryan, It'll be a short chat. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah, come on, man. That's a short chat. Uh, Ryan Craig, you were fucking amazing as usual, friend of the program. Okay, so Michigan State coming to the Duke. Mm-hmm. Duke was favored over Compass State in Vegas, 39 and a half points. Obviously, that's silly. Happen. Yeah. Well, you know, there's, there's really no way of knowing, so who the hell knows, right? Correct. So, um, I expect, and I have absolutely no clue what's going to happen, I expect it to be pretty close to a pick type of game here. What do you expect? I think they'll favor Duke three and a half to four. Okay. Yeah, I think I think it'll be a three and a half to four point favorite. I think that's I think that's spot on, and just like every season, I think we match up really really well against Michigan State. They have the same basically the same team they had last year. Our team is a lot different this year, but the things that we do really play against the way they play. Like we shoot the three, or we at least get three point opportunities. Well, they don't defend the three well. They don't have really that inside like giant you know nick ward type of player anymore so they don't have that they usually have that advantage they don't have that advantage this season and that's usually a big advantage for them so i i think we're going to be able to take advantage of them a little bit on the boards because our bigs are going to be able to play this game a little bit more i think mark's going to get to play a little bit more i think henry's going to get to play a little bit more so that helps us out when it comes to getting second chance opportunities, maybe getting a few more shots than the other team, because I said I wanted to see that. And maybe Mark Williams is able to erase some shots at the rim, which is going to help us get some runouts because we definitely need to see our team on the fast break a little more often, which I think we'll get to do against Michigan State. So I, I see us winning the game. I see us winning the game somewhere around like 82 to like 71. Okay, well, Jesus. Um, well, I'm I may be hitting you up on the side to do a little bit of a uh, five point play podcast <laughs> in in our team bet. Uh, if anybody is just tuning in for the first time, AC does not pay his best. He still owes me. Stink, <laughs> still owes Look, me man, COVID dinner. happened. I couldn't take you out, man. Uh, pause. Um, <laughs> AC has still not paid up his uh, state dinner bet from the first season that we've done this. Look, mm-hmm. I um. I might be a little bit sour from our performance in the first game, plus the fact that Michigan State has played a couple more games than we have. So I think that that definitely helps them in this situation. Sadly, I'm going to have to take uh, Michigan State in this one. I, I'm wow. not sure. I, I almost want to say it's going to be very similar to your score, but just flipped. Um, I, I want to okay. say this will be Michigan State 80 to Duke 74. I hope that I'm wrong. Usually I am, so if you're listening, uh, I'm usually wrong. With, not, notwithstanding, notwithstanding the fact that AC has still not paid. But here we are. Here we are. We are now in the AC Big Champions yep. Classic. It's such a crazy year, such a wacky year. We have to just kind of roll with it, roll with the punches, and be thankful for the fact that we even have the basketball going on right now. Mm-hmm. AC... I am ready to roll. I'm ready for Duke to take on a big town opponent in Michigan State. And I'm hoping like hell that I'm wrong. And I want to see Jeremy Roach. I want to see DJ Stewart. I want to see Wendell Moore, Matthew Hurt, and Jalen Johnson is my starting five. Coming Tuesday night in Cameron Indoor Stadium. Go Duke. Go Duke. Thank you for tuning in to the Five Point Play Podcast the number one Duke fans podcast. Check us out 
and Instagram at Five Point Play Podcast. That's the number Five Point Play Podcast. And on Twitter, Five Point Play Podcast. Go Duke!